and we're back for the NASCAR edition of this week's Flag Hunting Podcast. Uh, and like we just mentioned in the golf version, uh, we don't have a broadcast plan as the intro, which means we did not hit a winner, unfortunately. So our, our stretch of five in a row, unfortunately, is over. We had two for Ian, two in a row for Ian, two in a row for me. Neither of us could get all three in a row. But otherwise, a fun race in Atlanta. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. First, I want to uh, introduce who is joining us tonight. We have Chris, Chris Wormy at Chris Wormy 15 on Twitter. Chris, how's it going tonight? Oh, it's great. I mean, what a good night to be doing a podcast on NASCAR. It's amazing. Perfect timing. I mean, for those that are listening back to this, we probably won't post this till Thursday or Friday, but uh, a lot of news and on Tuesday as we're recording here today. So we'll get into some of that uh, in a little bit. Uh, but so first, as everyone knows, has listens uh, who listens to us, and we do have a guest on. We do have some a fun little segment we like to run through here. So, Chris, I don't know if you know what's coming or not, but it's, it works better if you don't. So if you do know Perfect. what's coming, don't tell me. Um, so it's kind of like a Mad Lib kind of thing. I'm just going to throw some stuff at you. You're going to give me kind of the first thing that comes to mind, and then I'll explain at the end what it all kind of means. Okay. Um, so first up, I got just very simple. What's your favorite color? Gray. Gray. Okay. We haven't had gray yet this year. Uh, favorite number or lucky number, whichever way you want to interpret that. 15. 15. Uh, Carrot Smith. <laughs> uh, what is the best Christmas gift you've ever received? Ooh. I don't know. I remember getting the, like the Penny Hardaways when I was, I just wanted those shoes so badly. I don't remember how old I was, but I just remember getting those and my mom set them aside because I she knew I would just rifle through gifts getting those. So <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. All right. So this one it's gonna be I'm just gonna give you three uh adjectives to, to describe yourself. I want you to tell me which one you think describes yourself best. So I've got tough, analytical, or free spirited. Analytical. Analytical. That's a popular answer this year. And then the last one here. If you were given a large sum of money, but you could only purchase it or only use it to purchase something online, what would you buy? Um, wow, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, what would I buy? A large sum of money, like unlimited money? Like, I feel like they sell airplanes online. Like, could I buy one go. on there? Yeah, I'd buy a jet. That's perfect. Love that. <laughs> All right, so that's, that's pretty it, much that's all. Today. That's all I got for you here. So what that what you're doing here is you're actually building your paint scheme for your car. So in this scenario, we're looking at you know a gray 15. Uh, since you said analytical, you're going to be in a Chevy because it's fine new roads. And then uh, so the sponsor here, we can go either way. We can go the Penny Hardaway shoes, or we can go some sort of airplane sponsor. I don't know what is it, Boeing or. Yeah. Uh, I don't know a lot of airplanes. Well, yeah, you might want to throw like Citation in there. I want it to be a private jet that's, you know, okay. like Citation XL. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. Like, I think, a, I think a Gulfstream Nike. Or a Gulfstream Nike. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would like be sick. Almost like a Jordan, like, yeah. like plane. Yeah, that, pretty, I like that. A G5. Yeah. yeah. That'd be pretty nice. So even though we're designing a car, we're actually designing a plane right now. But, you know, sure. we, get, we get the idea. <laughs> so uh, what we'll do. So, Chris, I have a uh, a guy that kind of draws up some of these designs and I, I, uh, for iRacing. So we'll get something drawn up. We'll send it. We'll tag you on Twitter and we'll let you kind of share that. We've gotten a few good ones this year. Last one was with uh, Skybox. We had a yeah. had a sky blue Florida State car going on. It was pretty sweet. 
Um, so, oh, that's funny. So yeah, we'll tag you once we get that back. But Perfect. Uh, let's yeah, just awesome. let's just let's assume that you did know where this segment was going. Uh, what is a favorite uh, sponsor paint job paint scheme in NASCAR history that you have? Oh, I mean, favorite. Ooh, ah. I mean, I was gonna say I think the coolest. I mean, this is just so. I mean, Kurt Busch winning with that paint scheme at Kansas. I mean, that was. I should have like I, I said to myself, this is the coolest paint scheme I've ever seen. Like I should bet on him just because of that and now looking back it's the worst race i've ever had in history of nascar so i want to kind of forget about that um but i just really liked i mean i've been a larson fan for a long time uh when it comes to just the way he races and man some of the the most fun i've ever had was watching him rim ride in that 42 sharp or target car um early in his cup career i thought that was awesome that's a popular one especially here on this podcast, as Ian is also a Larson fan, so yeah, a Larson fan. Only, only because the first race I ever went to was the All Star, or like in recent history, the first race I ever went to was what twenty like seventeen or twenty eighteen All Star race, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just I haven't watched NASCAR since Dale Jr. or like Dale Earnhardt died almost, and uh, I just asked Chris if there was an Asian American driver, and he said Kyle Larson. So uh, that's when I jumped on the bandwagon. So I can I can officially say I uh, I got him before he won this championship. Nice. Nice. Well done. <laughs> All right. So, um, so let's kind of get into your background here. So obviously you are, um, a professional gambler in the sense of the word. So, but you do kind of specialize in NASCAR enough. You've kind of mentioned that on, um, I think it was the back roads. I think I heard you on last week. You kind of talked about that and I'm sure you and Phil talked about it too, but I guess, how did you get into that? Uh, and what is your kind of like your earliest memory of NASCAR or NASCAR betting? So, I lived with a, a friend of mine, uh, you know, after, well, I'm I'll back up. I'm from a small town in Michigan, very small conservative town. I'd never placed a bet on anything in my entire life. This includes up through college and moved out to Caddy in Scottsdale. And this was 2007, 2008. I wanted to go work on wall street. Well, those jobs just didn't exist. So I was happy to have a job. And in when I was caddying, well, that was kind of culture shock because you go from someone like myself that wouldn't bet five dollars in the sun coming up because I was afraid of like losing five dollars. You know, set aside the fact that the sun doesn't come up. We've got way bigger issues than the five dollars. Like it should be a, like a free roll. But I was still stressed out about it to uh, kind of becoming just seeing um, an opportunity to make money. Uh, I lived with a guy that, that bet on sports like all the time. And, uh, I would kind of partake in a very small manner, just trying to learn more than anything else, but he did have a clear edge in NASCAR and I bet with him for, uh, uh, you know, a couple years and then it's just started doing it on my own. And, uh, it wasn't really until it became legal that I started taking it very, very seriously and was able to kind of step away from my old job and just, uh, bet on cars making predictable left turns and sometimes right turns. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's one way to get into it. So I guess what is, do you remember what your first ever NASCAR like oh, hit yeah. was? Yeah. So the first, my first race I ever went to was, I think it might've been 2011. Uh, Johnson, I had him at like plus 225 at Phoenix uh, in the, the finale and he won the championship, I would imagine. Uh, anyway, 
I remember betting. So 225, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I bet 20 and get back more than $40. This is amazing. And, you know, not real. I didn't know anything, but my buddy said he was really good. I also had that day I had, it's kind of funny. I remember this so specifically. I had uh, Juan Montoya plus 135 against Kyle Bush. And that, and like he would come off three or four spots behind Kyle Bush. And then after a few laps, Montoya would pass him. And I, it, it's kind of funny looking back. It's like, wow, I can't believe I actually had like Montoya in the 42 car beating Kyle Bush at, um, at Phoenix, which I would, ne- would never happen now. So, yeah. But yeah, I remember very vividly that, that race. That, that, that's funny you say that too, because I think I heard you say on, on the Backroads podcast that Kyle Bush is like the winningest car that you've bet on over For your sure. career. <laughs> hundred thousand percent just because he's won so much in other series as well so awesome so i guess gambling aside what is your earliest memory of nascar maybe what made you a fan of the sport in general that i didn't know anything about nascar when i moved in with my buddy i didn't i was like i remember when dale earnhardt died because i was like oh man that's kind of crazy someone kind of at the top you know dies at a you know at the track I don't know. I thought that I remember that, but for the most part, I would hate it when I would watch Sports Center and they'd be talking about the NASCAR race. I'm like, get this <laughs> off the TV. Now things are different. Yeah, look at it now. Would you have ever guessed? <laughs> no, no one would have. It's funny. Yeah, I think we talked about this before. I mean, obviously, Dale Senior dying is one of those memories. I think we all kind of know where we were when that happened. Yeah. At least, at least I do, because uh, my dad worked for DEI at the time, so. Uh, oh, my, wow. I actually remember my mom getting the phone call and just her absolutely like weeping in the living room. And I was like, what is wrong? Like, what's happening? I was, you know, cause I was so young. I was only, I guess what, seven or eight at that point. Um, yeah. but it's still like so ingrained in my memory of, you know, so I guess that would technically be my earliest memory, even though, you know, my dad worked in sports. So like I have, I have, I know that there are other memories, but it's the only thing I can like pinpoint. Right. Yeah. So, all right, so you mentioned Kyle Larson's the kind of guy you kind of jump on the bandwagon now, but I guess, have you always been on him since 2011 when you first got in the sport, or were you on somebody else before that? Yeah, no, before that, I tried to pick a favorite driver when I started doing this, and I was, you know, Carl Edwards and Denny Hamlin or Kyle Busch, kind of at that time period, you know, probably 2012, 2013. But, I, you know, I like the fact that I don't, have a driver per se the reason i i say kyle larson is kind of my favorite i feel like i discovered him uh you know i've I've met him a couple times and you know i told him oh yeah i bet on you at rockingham when you were in like the 32 truck and he just said oh i was like whoa whoa, whoa. you need to be way more impressed than that you were 15 (laughs) to 1 bro and that was like when you first how often have you brought what was the last time you were in the 32 truck at rockingham like at least give me like a hey good bet he just said oh I was like, wow. Yeah. I've met Kyle before. Too. All right, he's, cool. He's, I'll just talk to you later. <laughs> he's pretty reserved. That doesn't surprise me. He's not a, not a yeah. really talkative dude. Um, no. Good, good guy though. Good family. All right. So what about, let's, let's shift over to tracks. Do you have a, a favorite track and then maybe a bucket list track that you want to go to? Uh, favorite track to bet or to attend? Let's go both. How about that? Okay. So far, I, I think I've been to like 12 tracks. Hands down, Homestead to go is just awesome. The sun setting, you know, a late afternoon start time. Um, it's easy to get down there. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, going to Homestead races. Betting perspective, anything with high wear. So obviously, Homestead's a good one. Um, 
when it ends under a long green flag condition, it's a little more predictable than a short run. Um, Loudon is Loudon, Richmond, Darlington. Uh, the old Atlanta was awesome. And now, obviously, I don't even watch really. I watched the last 35 laps of the race this week. So I would say those those tracks from a gambling perspective. But so far, what I what I've attended is is Homestead. OK. And then I guess, is there a track you haven't been to yet that you want to get to? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I would like to because I like the speed of it. I like the speed of NASCAR. I would say I'd like to go to Dover. OK. I just think it'd be cool to see kind of the the elevation change out of the corner, the speed, like the lap times that they run there. I mean, I've been to Phoenix a bunch of times and to see them run, you know, you know, four seconds a lap faster, uh, I think would be really, really cool because Phoenix seems so fast. Mm-hmm. So it, you, when you're up there close. So I, I would like to go to Dover. Awesome. That's a different answer than we've had because I feel like every guest we've had has said like Daytona and Bristol and Martinsville. And those are all happen to be my favorite, the tracks that I want to go to, too. So uh, I appreciate that. So uh, one thing that you did do earlier this year that I kind of wanted to highlight, but you were able to attend the Indy 500 and the Cook 600 in the same day. And I remember hearing this on Derek's Twitter space and I was just like, oh, my God, that is like that's like a motorsport dream. Uh, so yep. talk about it. I know there was, I think, a little bit of complication with your flight or a little bit, but I think you did still make it there, right, for both? I did. I was able to make it to the end, the last 100 laps of Charlotte. Um, fortunately, uh, investors in the hair product company that I have um, have made a little bit of money betting on NASCAR. And as like a thank you, um, we had kind of talked about in the past doing the double. And obviously, I can't afford you know, a private jet, but they can. And, um, so shout out to Chris McCarley and John Klein for helping me out getting there. Um, (laughs) and you know, uh, Chris has become a a pretty big NASCAR fan and entertained by the betting. And we're always talking about his son's now getting into racing. And so he wanted to do like his son. And so anyway, uh, it was his son, son's birthday. And, I was like, well, let's try to do the double. Like, I mean, I know that I'm asking you to, you know, fork out money for a private jet, but then again, we could make money still. And (laughs) uh, so we, we made it happen and flew in the night before to Indy and then went to the Indy 500, which is more of a spectacle than anything. I I wasn't impressed with the racing and that's nothing against Indy. I'm just saying that kind of racing wasn't my style. And then we get to the private airport and we get on the plane, we get on the runway and there's like, we're having trouble with the, the sensor on the door. And so we ended up having to wait for three and a half more hours for them to fly wheels up to fly another plane there to pick us up. And the crazy thing is, is NASCAR was actually honoring my brother. So my brother um, was in the Marines and passed away in 2018. And so his name was on the pace car. So my mom, and my stepmom and my dad were there waiting for me. Uh, and Derek was there too. And so, I mean, I texted them, my dad and Derek together. So they got to meet up and, um, yeah, it was kind of a, a bummer that I didn't get to see it, but I mean, how fortunate to have that opportunity. Most people would dream of it, but Hey, you know what? Maybe it becomes a thing and we can start to sponsor it. Like actually get, uh, people to do that kind of every year. Just make sure that we have a, a plane that's 
you know, can get there. But it's crazy. You know, we're sitting in the private airport and you can see like teams leaving to go to Charlotte. Like, you oh, know, from, there's yeah, yeah. obviously that there's, I mean, big money in this, these two events. And, you know, we're sitting there. I'm like, I know for sure that plane is going to Charlotte. Like, I know that. Like, there's no question that it's not. But I don't want to, hey, uh, you got an extra seat. <laughs> um, so, but it was still fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember hearing that story. And what's funny about that whole, what kind of bring that full circle for that story is that we actually played golf with Derek that morning before the race. Because uh, he oh, came okay. down to Charlotte and met up with us. So, he was telling us, he's like, I got to get to the track. I got something I got to take care of. And then I heard you talk about that and I was like, Oh, it's, it's come full circle now. Now I understand yep. <laughs> what was going on there. Yep. Yep. So, all right. So last question I have for you, and then we'll, we'll jump into the loud and content. Um, uh, but so this one, I, I kind of gave you this question ahead of time. Um, but we've got some really good answers this year. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you have for us here. So, uh, if the president of NASCAR, Steve Phelps was to hand you the keys to NASCAR tomorrow, what would be your first plan of action? I got kind of two answers. Okay. One would be, I would go back to that 2016 low downforce car. Um, I think they ran it in like 2017. Get away from high downforce. I think off throttle time in the corners makes for better racing just in general. That would be one thing. The other thing I would do is, man, create some content to compete with Drive to Survive. I mean, that has been a huge driver for people watching Formula One. And... The racing, in, and like I said, nothing against Formula It's not my cup of tea. Like, I don't want to see the, the, the guy on the pole win, or the only way that he doesn't win is, is some sort of crazy you know, mistake. Place. So, yeah, yeah uh, those are the two things that I would do. Um, you know, I, I did a good job with this car, but that, that car was awesome, I thought. Absolutely. And, and to go back to the, the Drive Survive thing is – uh, this will bring Ian in the conversation a little bit because the PGA is actually kind of doing something with this right now. They're testing this. Uh, well, I guess not testing it. They're actually doing this. They've got producers following a lot of golfers around. Uh, I guess, do we know, Ian, who they're all following? Uh, there was a list that came out before the season started. And funnily enough, I mean, it was kind of just your standard PGA Tour guys like Colin, JT, Rory probably a couple of guys that end up going to live, which will be interesting to see if they use that kind of, <laughs> use that kind of content. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, for me, it's kind of hard for like, at least in the golf aspect of things, like to create like real drama, like out outside of just like the golf that's going on. Um, like it would be cool to get like caddy insights and stuff like that, like on the course. And like, but I don't know how close they're going to be able to get like inside the ropes with a lot of these guys like i think a lot of it's going to be like off the course kind of stuff which um i'm sure will appeal to a certain subset of the audience but i don't really see how that's going to be crazy compelling to me but uh yeah i mean i'll give it a chance and we'll see Uh, i just think with especially with the drivers survive and, and a potential nascar rendition of that show like just the inherent like stakes that are on the line and like high speed motorsports is just like you know, it makes for a little bit better documentary like TV rather than like. Uh, I think if if they just put like how much the putts are for at the end of like yeah. the tournament. I mean, it's funny. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with a lot of a few tour players and a lot of caddies. And I was playing with Colt Nose is a good buddy. And, mm-hmm. you know, someone will press him, you know, like, oh, I've never had a putt for $200 before like that doesn't bother those guys like yeah yeah but because you realize you know his three putt at 
uh, when he three putted to shoot 63 at Sawgrass and tie yeah. the course record. I mean, that putt cost him like $200,000 because he, instead of, you know, finishing alone in second or whatever, I, I don't remember that, but it was that three putt for in that year, the number one putter inside of 10 feet. And mm-hmm. even hit, that that's a lot of dough. And and I think yeah. people, the public would be like, whoa, the swings are huge coming down the stretch. Yeah. And, and I, to, yeah, to build on a point, I would, I would also say like the cut sweat, I mean, is something that's the PG tour in general doesn't really pay enough attention to with the broadcast just week in week out, like getting like an inside look at like a guy that's grinding to make the cut. That's, you know, especially guys that are like, you know, in that range of like 120 to 150 fitness cut points that need that boost uh, going in to keep their tour card year over year. Like, you know, those shots really mean a lot more. Um, I would say personally than like, you know, I know Jordan Spieth famously four putted like on Sunday on 18, actually at Sawgrass as well, and cost himself like six figures, 400,000 or 500,000 or something like that, which, you know, is a gut punch. But, um, you know, there there's also a fair share of guys playing for their livelihoods um, there on a Friday afternoon at the, you know, at the John Deere Classic. So that would be, yeah, if, if there was a, an avenue to make it more compelling to at least like hardcore golf fans like me. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to see insights on that. And I mean, even just for NASCAR, I mean, we see what it did to F1. It it drew in the interest for the 18 to 26 year old range, basically, which is the exact range that NASCAR is trying to target or needs to target uh, to kind of f- further boost um, the NASCAR popularity. As you know, it feels like a lot of the fans are kind of in the aging range of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you I don't want to say what that range is. I don't want to offend anybody, but um, it's obvious. I think a lot of the. If you yeah. look, I mean, for I mean, just for me, I mean, we'll we'll talk about me for a second. I'm a big fan of of Reddit, and I frequent the Reddit, the R NASCAR page a lot, and they run polls on there to kind of see who the target audience is on there. I think it comes out to be like the 40 to 55 range is like the is like 60 percent of that of that Reddit. So I mean, like if you kind of use that as your barometer of kind of the fandom of of NASCAR, we we need to target more of the younger crowd. So like you said with the the show of kind of drives five, uh, Phil brought up, you know, when he was on the pod, he brought up. Um, Actually, I think who else brought was it Skybox too? I think yeah, Skybox and Phil both brought the idea of gambling. I mean, gambling in a sense, if NASCAR was to really push gambling at the track, gambling, you know, in general, we can target that audience even better um, and kind of get more of the younger crowd into this. Which yes, is a great segue as we're looking at Chris here. Um, so Chris, for anybody who doesn't know, um, is a co-host of the Stay Green podcast. Um, by Bet the Board with uh, Todd Furman, um, and it is presented by NASCAR. So uh, I don't know what you're, you may not be allowed to tell us this que- the answer to this question, but I guess what we're kind of hinting at here of getting gambling more, getting NASCAR gambling, you know, more more popular, I guess is that kind of the initiative that NASCAR is kind of pushing with that podcast. Yeah, that's the plan. And I think that we have, um, we've been working with kind of their gaming division very closely and making sure that we're putting out informative content that, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of the way that Todd and I bet. And I know Todd's very sharp. He's one of the very few people that if he says, hey, go bet this, I don't have to question it. There's probably four or five people that are in my life. If they send me a message, I like don't hesitate. I just fire. And they do the same thing when it comes to NASCAR. And um, I just, you know. I was nervous because no one knew who I was. I mean, when I reached out to NASCAR, you know, I got like a 15 minute phone call and the guy said, um, he's like, uh, 
I talked to him and he's like, well, uh, I didn't, we didn't know people like you existed. So I need to set up a time. I need to set up another call for more time. And my boss needs to be on this call. And that kind of got the ball rolling at the end of last year to get the podcast, but it's a huge part of, of NASCAR's plan. And it's just a matter of getting it right. And Todd and I wanted to get our, our kind of cadence down. I'd never done a podcast before. So I, I had to buy this microphone. I didn't know how to set it up. I mean, I, I've never given away picks publicly or, or had, you know, kind of been an analyst of any sort. I've just kind of kept to myself and used social media. It's just a way to you know, get information. So NASCAR's got some big plans. I'm excited to hopefully get these things rolling out. Uh, maybe even do a live pod at some point from a racetrack. Yeah, that's awesome. And I remember, you know, if we go back to, to March and April and you were a constant, uh, person in the audience of Derek's Twitter spaces. And uh, it's funny because we, you know, we exchanged some messages on Twitter about this, but you you actually told us the news about a week before you actually came out with the news. And, you know, I think I made the comment to you in the chat was like, you know, I knew there was something behind the curtain because you, the questions that you ask in Derek's Twitter spaces were, were phenomenal. You kind of always kept us on our toes. Uh, I remember, I, I uh, remember specifically at, um, uh, I want to say it was Richmond, maybe. Yeah. I can't remember what track it was, but you were pushing, you were pressing me hard on the. We had a very hard to dispute about Larson and Hamlin, and I think all four of us had faded Hamlin that week, and you were kind of pushing all of us like, why? Why are you guys pushing? You and I, you know, it was just funny. I don't know why I remember that, but it's just funny to see now how there was more behind the curtain, and now you're kind of yeah. in charge for all of us in this industry. Well, I mean, it, here's the thing, I. I've learned a lot from you guys as well. Like what I did, I never, I've never talked to someone else that bet on NASCAR even for fun. So my world was very, very small. And so I've been able to learn a little bit. And I, I think where I have a little bit to offer just the kind of the people that are betting for fun, but still want to be on the proper side and make money and, but also enjoy themselves. There's some things that you can do that you don't need to change your risk profile to get to, to learn a little bit more. And that's why uh, explanations, I don't think there's any such thing as a bad bet. There's so much information available now that you could make the case for almost any driver in a matchup. I really do think that. I don't, what I think is important is there's such thing as, as a bad explanation. And so, and that's how you, you can eventually start to make money and learn a little bit more is, hey, was my explanation right or was it wrong? And if it was wrong, how can I tweak it to make it closer to the truth right yeah 100 percent. so i guess with all that being said now that we're like what 20 minutes in should we get to loudon because i know that you're excited to get to loudon <laughs> yeah i love this track all right so ian i'm gonna throw it to you uh, let's let's work our way through this odds board let's kind of talk through um so obviously uh chris we'll, we're gonna kind of talk through some some outrights but if 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 we get to a driver and you actually like a prop better you know feel free to bring that up okay Okay, yeah. So <clears throat> typically we do a little bit of a, a track preview, but I'll I'll trust y'all to uh to kind of walk me through Loudon because uh, you know last week at Atlanta I kind of knew what the drill was at a super speedway. Uh, we kind of have a pretty defined strategy when it comes to those. So I'm an open uh, I'm an open book when it comes to um you know willing to learn about Loudon and honestly I don't think I've ever watched a race here. So <laughs> just goes to show. Do you want me to give a quick little what what I used to handicap this race kind of at this point in the week? Would that be I like a good little preview? I have something or to do. You so we can, we can compare. Okay, so. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. 
and yeah. I, that was my fault. I kind of threw it to Ian without even realizing I didn't do a track preview yet. Um, awesome. So yeah, obviously, obviously we're heading to New Hampshire. We're going to Loudon. It's New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Um, so this is a uh, a mile. You know, you can call it short, flat, short, intermediate, however you want to classify it. Uh, the most comparable uh, tracks that I'm using, and I know that um, we bring them up all the time, is iFantasy Racing. Uh, but it's Richmond, Phoenix, and Gateway. Uh, those are the tracks that I chose to use in the model that I put together. Um, so I am bringing um, all the short intermediates for between a mile and a mile and a mile and a quarter, which are those three from 2019 to now. I'm bringing the average finish and drive rating for each of those tracks. Uh, I'm looking at the 2022 total speed at these same three tracks because luckily we have we do kind of have those data points in this next gen era. So I'm bringing the 2022 total speed metrics for those tracks. Um, I'm also looking at the 2022 metrics for fastest late in a run at those same three. And then I'm bringing in the last six races, average finish and driver rating, and last 15 races, average finish and driver rating. So that's kind of what my model spits out. But Chris, I want to I want to hear what you got. Yeah, I have a little less than that. So um, sometimes that's I, I don't know if you listened to the last the last pod, but I am not a green flag speed guy, and um, you know I just think that it's I think that it's if we're in like the, the 2016, 2017 car, I do think that it would be better. It was a little easier to pass and you wasn't, your speed wasn't as uh, track position dependent. I have never, like, I think track position this year is so important when you look at just the issues that you can have on pit road, like a, a good qualifying is so important for, for track position, obviously the start of the race, but also yet that select pit stall selection is huge. So um, I'm actually not going to look at gateway. Okay. As uh, in the reason for that is if you had, let's just say you have a 50 lap run to end the race at Phoenix gateway and Richmond. So I do, I do include Richmond and Phoenix. So I agree with you there. And it's funny cause Phil said the same thing. And then we have, we're having now having the same conversation, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, the reason I didn't select it. And here's the thing. I could be wrong. Okay. I could be completely wrong when I say this and I'm open to hearing the argument and changing my mind. Cause I, I think it's so important to be able to change your mind. You go from being wrong to being right, which is a two unit swing, right? You go from losing to winning. So I think it's really important to just kind of have an open mind. And if someone gives me a compelling explanation, I'll change my mind. But I think if you have a 50 lap run to end the race and it goes green for 30 laps at those three tracks, Phoenix, Richmond and gateway, You'll see Gateway, they'll stay out. No one's going to pit and take tires at Gateway. Whereas at the other two tracks, they are pitting for four tires. And what are you doing at Loudon? You are pitting for four tires. There might be guys that take two tires, but they're going to be, they're just trying to steal track position to get a decent finish. Those guys aren't winning the race with 20 to go at those tracks with two tires. It's a four tire stop. And um, so that's why I didn't include it. Is it just a little bit of strategy? And I think tires, like, I know that it's the same tire compound, but mm -hmm. tires only matter, you know, that I think that tire compound only matters when the tires matter. Like, that's, that's well, my that, thought yeah. process behind it. Oh, yeah, no, it's, no, you're exactly right. I mean, when there's, I, I chose to go with that method because I looked at the Goodyear tire notes and I saw that that's the three tracks they use. So I was like, but you bring up a very valid point of that only becomes relevant whenever where tire wear comes in the end of play. So um yeah i think it's i think it's a good thing though that you know 
especially for conversation as we get into the odd boards, that mean you kind of are looking at kind of two different sets of data in a sense because it'll bring up different yep. different points for the listeners here. So, um, yeah, so I guess the last part of the uh, kind of intro here is obviously the schedule. Uh, we do get practice qualifying this week as we did not get last week. Not that it would have mattered last week, but I know Ian had texted me Saturday morning like, where are the, practice, where are the qualifying spots? I'm like, oh, I got canceled. Uh, but we do get that this week, hopefully, barring no rain. Um, Saturday at 11.35, we'll have practice and qualifying. And the race will be on Sunday. So, Ian, now I will throw it to you for the odds board. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, guys. I don't, I don't want to, uh, to be the, uh, to, to the speed bump here. But I do have a question about Atlanta because we didn't really get to talk about the race. Um, you know, we had a lot of interesting discussions about NASCAR as a whole uh, in the first few minutes. But I did want to talk about Atlanta because, to me, like, maybe this is apparent to everyone else, but – really surprised me the lack of movement through the field throughout the entire race in Atlanta. Um, it, it like, obviously, you know, we, we came into it with a super speedway narrative and, and at tracks like Daytona and Talladega, you see just wild movement throughout the field where to Chris's point, I mean, track position was seemingly the most important thing on every single restart. You didn't really see, you know, too many wild jumps throughout the field, uh, even by the fastest cars. So Going forward, I guess, in Atlanta, I mean, you, you guys can, you know, take this in any direction you want, but going forward in Atlanta, do you, do we make that distinction going forward? Um, like, it, are there, I guess the, the main question is, like, are they, is Atlanta, like, still related and still a close cousin to a Daytona or Talladega, or are we going to have to take a step back and, you know, either call it a hybrid of an intermediate and, an, and a super speedway and just let it have its you know, maybe treat it as a more one of kind, one of a kind type of track, or you know, is there another solution that that you guys see going forward when we do go back to to that track? I'm still going to treat it as a super speedway. I mean, just because what we saw the racing as a whole, um, even though we didn't see the runs that we typically would see at Daytona in a Talladega, uh, <laughs> I wonder how much the handling actually came into effect this past weekend because with the heat down there in Atlanta. I'm wondering if their handling came into more, more into play than we thought initially. What really scared me was the Xfinity race. I don't know how much you guys call it the Xfinity race, but I watched that race and I was like, oh my God, this is this is not looking anything like it did earlier this year. It, it didn't look like a super speedway at all. But then this car, I think the next gen car really does support, it, it really runs well at these super speedway type tracks. Um, I mean, you have a good point of it yeah. didn't, we didn't see as much movement as I thought we were going to see, but you saw people take pitch strategies of taking no tires or two tires just to get to the front. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm still going to, I'm not going to treat it any differently. I'm still going to run it off of Daytona and Talladega metrics, but Chris, I don't know if, if you disagree or hundred percent. I don't bet the restrictor plate races. So um, I just tuned in because it's now my job. I feel like I should probably watch the last 35 laps. Not to mention I open Twitter and I'm like, I see like Corey LaJoy, please pull this off. I'm like, Oh gosh, now I got to watch <laughs> this thing. Um, so uh, yeah, but I think you guys both hit the nail on the head. It's a restrictor plate race, in my opinion. And I guess you could go through and you could pick out the differences. But ultimately, um, they're, they're going to be track position races. I think handling is important, uh, more so in Atlanta, maybe because of the temperatures uh, that we saw. But, you know, I mean, to me, they took Atlanta and I know it needed to be repaved. Um, but the one thing I'll give NASCAR credit for, man, they took it. They took a chance and they're trying it out. And this this sport has been more fluid than any other professional sports league. And I really applaud them for that. So they're willing to take a risk. 
whether I it's it's not just for me. Like I I just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not yeah. part of racing. Not appealing. So, yeah. 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 I think one change I would make to this race though is let's let's make this summer Atlanta race at night because you saw what it did to the attendance. I mean, nobody wanted to go there and sit in ninety-eight degree weather in the middle of the afternoon. So I think pushing this race to a night race could be really fun for the summertime. I know we you bring weather into play, but I guess then that might be one reason why they might not want to. What about but... like an all-star race? I feel like it'd be good to have an all-star race there um, versus like a Texas. Anyway, yeah. that's just I mean, anywhere over, anywhere over Texas. Yeah. But <laughs> I was going to say, Christmas Crusade is just is railing on Texas for the all-star race. Every I hate it. I hate it. Too. Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus. But all right. Yeah, I hope... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go too far off topic with Loudon uh, on the horizon. So let's go ahead and get into the odds board, the outright board here at the Ambetter 301. Uh, at the top of the board, Ryan Blaney, 6-1 uh, to one for the second straight week as either a favorite or co-favorite here in the outright odds board. 6-1, to one, Ryan Blaney. Joey Logano, 7-1. to one. Kyle Busch, 7-1. to one. Denny Hamlin, 8.5-1. to one. And Ryan Truex, 8.5-1. That's everyone under 10-1. to one. I'll throw it to Chris first. Obviously, we're, we're, it's a different uh, different type of track. We're on an intermediate. Uh, it tends to be a bit more top-heavy when it comes to our outright betting card and just our overall exposure. So I'll let you uh, pick out your favorites from everyone under 10 to 1 here. Yeah, yeah so, so everyone under 10 to 1. I, oh, oh I which both, Chris? Because I'm also Chris, Chris too. Yeah. <laughs> I just huh. realized. Yeah. Okay, yeah, call me Worm. My last name's Wormy. I've been called Worm my entire life. We need to get that going. Everyone's being way too professional with this Chris shit. So, like, literally, just call me Worm. That's it from okay. now on. Yeah, well, you go, we'll, you go, go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. You go. You go. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll go back to the, the model I kind of put together earlier. I don't think I highlighted um, kind of what that model spit out. So I will kind of lay that out first, and then uh, we'll go from there. So no surprise here. Uh, when you're bringing in the historical data, especially for these three tracks, uh, the number one on my model actually was Kevin Harvick. So as you can assume, Kevin Harvick will probably be on our card in some way, some form or fashion. Um but then you got number two, Ryan Blaney, number three, Martin Truex, number four, Chase Elliott, and number five, Joey Logano. Um, so a lot of the names that you just brought up. So obviously from an odds sports perspective, I think the um, the odds makers did good in, in kind of building these odds. Now, who do I prefer in this range? Um, Ryan Blaney at six to one is a little tough, a little tough for me, although he is. I do have a kind of a note here I want to bring up. Um, there is only two drivers so far this year who have ranked top 10 at all three of these short intermediates. And it actually is Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano. So there's a reason they do top this board as far as total speed comes. Um, for me, though, and I know that we faded him a lot this year, I'm looking at Martin Truex at that plus 850 number. Um, I really do feel like with all that retirement crap in the rear view mirror, we don't have to worry about hearing that anymore. Uh, we now know that, which we didn't touch about Tyler Reddick, we'll have to come back to that at some point, but we now know that Reddick is kind of moving over to the Toyota side, um, and you kind of wonder um, how long, you know, Truex and, and all those guys are going to be, Truex, Hamlin, Kyle Busch are going to kind of be in the stable, uh, but all that aside, Truex, as far as my model kind of kind of spits out here, third in driver rate and third in average finish at these three tracks over the last three years, first at Richmond, um, fourth in total speed in 2022, and then so far this year, first um, or sorry, fifth in total speed at these intermediate tracks, and fourth fastest late in a run. Um, so I'm not clicking anything yet. I do want to wait for practice and qualifying, but as far as my leans go, 
Um, I think Truex is probably going to be my biggest lean in this in this top range here. So Worm, I'll throw it to you. What do you think? I agree with you. I think um, I, I was I didn't know how the show was going to go, and like I said, I don't need to super prepare as I like have all spent all day watching, you know, plowing through tons of data. So like, um, I agree. I actually took. Um, I don't want to be a spoiler, but I definitely took Truex in a matchup against Phil in his head-to-head thing. Um, and I just think his current form is much better than it's been in the past. And I was also shocked that he's never won at Loudoun. I, I saw mean, this I earlier thought too, that he's, yeah. I thought that he had won two or three times there. And I was shocked because he's run up front so often. And eight and a half to one is a great price for him. I mean, he was all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he became a great short track racer. You know, it was just like all of a sudden, um, just you flip the switch and it's like, oh, he's going to be dominant at short tracks. And I, I think that he hasn't he hasn't practiced well all year. The only time he did was at Nashville and man, was he fast. And he, so he's made his car better, whereas Blaney qualifies super well. He doesn't make his car better in the race. Like if Blaney falls back, he, he just doesn't work his way back up through the field very often. So uh, a guy like Martin Truex does that. Um, you know, Denny is it, kind of a high beta guy. You know, he, he wins at Richmond with a three-legged donkey. And then um, Logano, I, I, I'm a little hesitant on Logano because I thought he was so much better at Gateway than he was. And Kyle Busch, I mean, you never know when he's just going to be, you know, dominant or last. And I'd rather... I think that Truex is for sure the most consistent uh, upside or value uh, at that plus 850. And and to oh. your point, to your point, like if we wait for practice qualifying, I think the guy's number, the person's number who could move the most could be Truex. Because if he does not come out, you know, looking too fast and qualifying, we could potentially snag a 10 or 11 to one rather than a plus 850. Um, yep. If you want to trust the data rather than, you know, the practice, this practice stats kind of how, you know, it depends on your risk tolerance. He there, won't qualify very well. I don't think he's going to qualify well. I just think as a racer, this is the best, this is the best bet. Nobody's odds are going to get re- drastically reduced. I don't even think Truex will. You might see a higher number on him, but I'm just saying with the finish of the race, I want that plus 850. I think you'll see a higher number on everybody but Blaney, but I don't think Blaney's going to win the race. I think Blaney will qualify in the top three, but I don't see him winning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's um, that's something we never really get into is how predictive qualifying and practice stats are from or especially qualifying. I think Worm uh, talked about from week to week, you know, guys that, you know, and to his point, I think Chris has brought up many times on the show when we're talking about pole position bets, um, betting Blaney as a pole setter, not so much to win the race. So, um, correct. Yeah. Good insights there. Uh, so, yeah, let's go into the 10 to one range now. Truex, uh, the favorite of our two experts here at eight and a half to one at the top of the board. Uh, it's not been often this year that we've uh, had to wait to 10 to one to get to a Chevrolet this year, but we do have Chase Elliott as a top Chevy alongside Ross Chastain also at 10 to one. And then Kyle Larson, um, you know, who notably, I guess, won at Phoenix. Uh, if I could give a little tidbit there, obviously won the championship last year uh, at 12 to one. Not often you see uh, Larson as the what eighth name on the odds board. So, you know, kind of a small tier here from 10 to 12 to one, but Elliott Chastain Larson, uh, I'll, I'll throw it to Warren this time. Does he have a lean, um, and this kind of low t- between low t- Elliot Chastain and Larson, it's just stopping right there. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I would say, hmm, I would say Chastain, and yeah. that's just because I think his just form throughout the year has been more consistent than both Larson and Chase. I think he is a little bit of a wild card, 
But if I'm going to get in at that 10 to one price, uh, pre-practice or qualifying, um, I'm going to get in on, on Chastain. I think Larson will probably look better in practice. He'll probably qualify a little better, but man, he's just hasn't been a threat. He just hasn't led laps like he did last year, last year's most dominant performance I've ever seen in NASCAR. And he's been kind of priced. He's been overvalued in my opinion. And I think that they did get it closer to where he should be, but I don't know that they're quite there yet. I, I, I would stick with Chastain, um, out of those three. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I was prepared to come in here and tell you, just don't bet this range. Because <laughs> I really don't like this range, to be honest with you. And, and a lot of it has to do with recency bias. Last time we were at Gateway, Hendrick was pretty bad. Um, but to your point, Chastain was the only one of those three, or of these three that um, yeah. was the best. Uh, but just Chevy as a whole, I'm sure you're going to hear this kind of all week long, but Ford has won the last four races here. Toyota has won five of the last 10. Chevy has won twice in the last 10 years, in 2012 and 2016. Uh, one of those being Harvick, who's obviously now in a Ford. So Chevy is kind of, it's crazy to say this, but Chevy is actually kind of a little bit of a fade for me this week. Um, and even when you look at, so I just kind of pulled together in a, kind of like a separate little sheet here. I pulled together New Hampshire from last year, and then Phoenix for showing Gateway from this year. Took those four races, kind of looked at average finish. Um, Chastain is third in average finish, so pretty pretty good there. But Larson is 12th. Chase Elliott is 19th in average finish among those um, from those four tracks. So, yeah, I, I guess to round it all out, Chastain would be the one I would prefer as well. But it does feel weird saying that we're fading Elliott and Larson at 10 and 12, which are numbers that we don't normally see from them. Yeah, and and just like remember that Chastain was good there last year in the 42. Like he was kind yeah. of mixing it up, mixing it up a little bit. So, um, you know. If he was mixing it up in the 42, then I'm pretty sure in the one he'll be able to mix it up just fine if he can, you know, not get wrecked. Yep, finished eighth last year for reference there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, no disagreement so far. We got Truex at the top, eight and a half to one. Chastain is lean here at ten to one and kind of the ten to twelve range. Let's move on further down the board. We jump pretty quickly to eighteen to one. Uh, Christopher Bell, eighteen to one. William Byron joins him at that number. Kevin Harvick, who Chris mentioned earlier, is at 20. And then Tyler Reddick is at 22. There's a group of four guys here, Bell, Byron, Harvick, and Reddick from 18 and 22 to 1. Uh, we'll throw it to Topher, as we called him in college, Christopher, um, out there to uh, to break down this range. So, yeah, this is actually, this is my favorite range. I do like this range a lot because I think they're, I think these are all pretty good numbers on these guys. Uh, I do want to lead, lead with this by saying that I actually am going to have a qualifying bet in this range. Um, Christopher Bell to win pole is my one of my first bets that I did click. You can get that 12 to 1. Um, so far at these tracks that I'm using as um, obviously Richmond, um, Gateway, and um, Phoenix, um, he has qualified. Um, he qualified ninth in New Hampshire last year and then fourth, ninth, and third this year. So I kind of like those numbers for a 12 to 1. Throw a little half unit on that. Um, but for the guys, the only click I've made so far this week from an outer perspective is uh, the noted Kevin Harvick. Uh, it's this style of track that I just I can't not bet Harvick. I mean, when you look at his career at this style of track, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, at these one mile intermediates, he's got 16 wins in 42 in 120 races here. So obviously a long career more than anybody else uh, has raced here. But this is just a style of track that he excels in. Uh, and it feels like we're getting a lot of good speed from him lately. I mean, we saw him be really competitive at Gateway this year. Um, so, yeah, Harvick. Uh, Fourth in total speed at these 
one mile intermediates, third in uh, total speed late in a run. And then at, at New Hampshire overall, he is driver rating of second and uh, average finish of first over the last three years. So at 20 to one, which we get him at, and I, th- I think comparatively to some other books that I've seen, it's 20 to one is, is, is a great value. So that's where I'm leaning right now. Yeah. Hey, I think, I don't think I can argue with much of what you've said there. Uh, 20 to one is the best price on Harvick. Uh, I'm going to go with someone else. Um, I am going to go with Chris Bell. It, is Tyler Riddick in this group or are we? Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. So I actually, I actually think Reddick is going to race well. Um, he raced well last year that the confidence that comes with a win, you know, it's one and we've seen it with the best drivers in the sport. It took chase a while to get his first win, even though he was mixing it up. It took Larson, the, you know, a very similar amount of time. I think that this could be kind of the turning point for Tyler Reddick. Now I, I, you know, whatever happened today, I don't think that that's going to play on a day to day basis or a week to week basis. It could maybe over the longevity, like the rest of the season, maybe take a little bit of a toll. I like Chris Bell. Um, just because I think he's going to qualify well. Um, I do not see Kevin Harvick qualifying well. So if he does look good in practice, I think you're going to be able to still get that 15 to one or 20 to one. Whereas if you see bell pop it on the pole or maybe starting in the front row, you're going to see a reduction in price. Um, and, and that's why I would go with Chris bell. But I do think um, I actually like this group of drivers very much. I just, right now I, this, at this point in the week, I'm not focused on who I think is going to win. I'm focused on where the market's going to go. And I think that Bell is very high beta. You know, he could spin out in qualifying or he could drop it on the pole. I wouldn't be shocked. I think it's a good bet that 12 to 1, though, for pole. I almost bet him every week on the pole. It's like, um, yeah. Him, so. Yeah. It, seems, it feels like him or Blaney is, is like the top yeah. qualifying picks every week. But uh, yeah, so to kind of touch on your C-Bell pick there, I, I can't disagree with that either. I decided to go with the pole pick just because... I did have the stronger lean on Harvick, um, but Seabell seems to make our card every week in the prop market, so I'm sure we'll have some sort of T5 bet or something like that on him as well. Um, but yeah, I guess let's pause for a second, though. I do kind of want to touch on this Tyler Riddick news today. Um, I'm sure you talked about it on Full Take Phil, but let's just do a little rundown here. So I obviously am a Reddick fan. I made that proclamation before the season started as Matt Benedetto got demoted. So I kind of changed my fandom there. Um, so I guess my quick reaction today was at first I was very shocked and kind of disappointed in a sense too, because I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this. But then the more I kind of let it sink in, I do think him, I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall at Chevy. He realized he didn't want to wait out Hendrick. He didn't want to wait out to see if one of those guys was going to get the get the cut, and he wanted to move over to, to Toyota, where, like we mentioned earlier, there are potentially three guys in the JGR camp who may not be racing in the next three to five years. So I think it's a good stepstone place to go. But like you mentioned, what's going to happen next year? Because, you know, Richard Childress could come out and say, "Oh, cool. Well, yeah, we're going to take that option back, and you can go sit in the reserve next year." Um, so. I think there's a little bit of excitement and a little bit of fear from a fan perspective, but I'm curious to see someone who doesn't maybe have a biased take on Reddick like me, what what you think. Yeah, I I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen. So, like I said, I thought we were going to be talking about Chastain and Hamlin or just Chastain in general. And, you know, now you see Denny Hamlin again kind of in the news with with this. 
and I think it's great, by the way. I think he's the most important person in NASCAR right now. So I'm I'm happy that Denny is doing things like that. I mean, when was the last time there was this much buzz on Twitter over something? So I think it's great, and it's right after Reddick's kind of win. Man, just the way that it went down, though, and the, the manner in which it was kind of brought to everybody's attention, and then the response by, you know, RCR, you're like, whoa, okay. Um, what, what's going to happen now? And I don't know. I mean, we, Phil knew, Phil knows a lot about silly season stuff and, and Chris, you know, more than I do. Uh, I, I just looked at it like, Hey, what's my opportunity here? And I think, man, what happens if RCR finds another driver next year? What, what does that do? I mean, Kyle Busch still isn't signed. I can't imagine him not getting signed. Oh yeah, no. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I don't know enough about you know you you have the manufacturers that are invested or have partnerships with drivers, and then to see him go from you know Chevy to Toyota, and you know is that going to happen? You know is is uh you know are they going to bring up Josh Berry? Like I, I'm a big Josh Berry guy. I just think he's a really solid. The reason I like Josh Berry is he moves his way up through the fields. Like he always starts off maybe, but he gets better and better, and better throughout the race. So I, I think that's a really attractive quality in a driver. I, I just, mm, I'm kind of, I'm glad it happened, but I just don't, I, there's so much. It's like, wow, if this can happen, what else can happen? And I'll say this, the universe loves a good story and it would be a fitting story to have Tyler Reddick go on a little bit of a run right now. Um, and maybe make his way to the championship four. And if he, he's going to have to race well, um, you know, in that second round, but I think he can win in the third round uh, at Homestead for sure. So mm-hmm. that could get him in. And if he dodges kind of, he could, you know, as a lame duck driver for a year and a half, he could be in the hunt for a championship. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. I, I guess, I guess for me, what sucks from being a fan, I guess, is he's going from one, you know, stepping stone team to another stepping stone team. Like he's not making that jump to the, to the big team. Now, with that being said, nobody expected Trackhouse to be where they are. So I'm sure that Denny kind of used 2311 of like, Hey, we can get to that, that point. And maybe this is his way of saying, Hey, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get the best driver in the market and we're going to get there. We're going to, we're going to be the next Trackhouse. So there, there's different ways to look at this for sure. But um, yep. yeah, I think obviously, like you mentioned, it was, it was cool to see how much traction it got on Twitter today because it's not often that, you know, yeah. Twitter is the trending or NASCAR is the trending news on Twitter. So that was pretty right. cool. All right. So, yeah. Ian, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. And then if you have any thoughts, obviously, Ian. No, I don't I don't have any unique thoughts, but I do want to I mean, I, I just love picking y'all's mind about um, really just talents in general. So, like, I feel like in NASCAR, especially like with the differences in equipment that these guys have to go through, whether it's the Cup Series or Xfinity, like you for me as a casual viewer, I don't really get a chance or at least I don't have the the, the eye to see, um, you know, how good these guys are until they, you know, actually are in equipment that allows them to contend um, for wins and top fives and, and to be up there at the top of the field. I just want to get Worms' just view on, on Reddick as a prospect as a whole and, and kind of where you think he fits in, in the next five to ten years on NASCAR. Because I know Chris thinks the world of, of Reddick and obviously, um, you know, as his partner in crime on this podcast, I'm, I'm, I've got the number eight um, – number eight sweatshirt over there that I, uh, that I purchased after his Red America wins. So 
Um, I, I want to get your take on kind of just Reddick going forward and kind of where do you think his place is in the hierarchy of, of kind of this, this next NASCAR generation? Oh, I think Reddick's a superstar. Um, when, when it comes to talent, I mean, you, you still have to win races and he did, re- he obviously won races in the Xfinity series. The biggest thing for him is I think he's learned a ton. He went from someone that you primarily see more of a dirt track high line, kind of get the back end out sideways. And that's where he was really fast to, you know, winning on road courses and passing fast cars and running well on flat tracks. So I think he's got unlimited upside. I wish he had a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to need that to can, you know, contend in championships. I think all drivers kind of need that Larson included just kind of need that. You know what, that, that, that the rivalries that we've seen in the past. So, right. uh, I, but I think he's, he's phenomenal, uh, phenomenal driver. Got you. Do you have, um, do you have like a, who is, who, who is the blue chip prospect for casual NASCAR audiences to, to look out for coming up? I know Ty Gibbs is up there. You mentioned, Josh Berry, Sam Meyer. Okay, so uh-huh. here's my thought on on that, on Ty Gibbs. And, okay, if, listen, Ian, you probably haven't driven too many stock cars, have you, in your day? No. Okay. No, I can't. Um, you would be competitive in the 54 in the Xfinity series. Now, <laughs> I'm not taking much away from Ty Gibbs. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But if you look at what Cole Custer does in the 07 car in the Xfinity series, if Cole Custer was in the 54, he'd win every single race. He'd win every single race. Now, I'm not saying that Ty Gibbs can't grow into being a better driver. Um, but, man, the guy has just unlimited resources, and he's always going to be in the best stuff. Doesn't yep. mean he's not going to be great or that he won't get better. I think you saw the same thing like Suarez. Um, you know, he wasn't great in Gibbs equipment, but he's gotten much better. And I'm not saying that, the that, I mean, I still think Gibbs is better than track house, you know, when it comes to across the board. So, right. uh, but I guess blue chip, if, if I had to buy stock in, man, I don't even know if he's like an up and comer. I think Ryan priest is a hell of a driver. Um, okay. and, uh, but I think if you look like kind of truck series, I think, I think Zane Smith's a pretty good driver. I think Carson Hosevar is going to be a, a, a stud in the future. Uh, I thought Chandler Smith for a while, but he's kind of faded a little bit. But I think KBM's not where that 38 team is. So, by the way, I bet the trucks in the Xfinity series very heavily as well. So, um, I think Zane Smith, and, and here's the thing with Zane Smith. He's kind of got the look, uh, all-American kid that I think, I think Zane Smith is going to be um, – he'll be a factor in the Xfinity Series and then eventually the Cup Series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I love that call. Yeah, so just more reasons to, to follow Chris Worm on Twitter. Um, you know, given not, – not just given his NASCAR analysis, but, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of the next generation that's coming up. So I always like to talk about this. You know, it's um, – like I said, for, for someone that doesn't – you know, I watch NASCAR, uh, the Cup Series at least, and the Xfinity Series to bet on it, but uh, – I can't say I have, you know, an eye for talent when it comes to um, driving like I do maybe when it comes to golf. So I was if like I could drop me- someone, if I could drop yeah. someone in the cup series today, it's Josh Berry. I okay. think you'd, I would, I would take. He's probably the most re- ready, but um, so I, so my, I think that Gregson's going to move into that eight car, but you think Berry. Well, I don't know ultimately what's going to happen, but listen, what's, some of the guys that we're talking about, we talk about Chris Bell, you talk about 
Tyler Reddick, those guys dominated the Xfinity series. Even Ricky Stenhouse dominated the Xfinity series. Mm-hmm. Noah Gregson hasn't dominated anything in the Xfinity series. He's won races. He's always mixing it up, but he's not winning. He's not. I mean, those guys used to win like Reddick would win races by eight seconds. You know, you don't yeah. you just don't see that out of Gregson. Yeah. Is he looked the part? Sure. Is he a bat? Whatever. That's all fine and dandy. But if his car's not good early in the race, it's not like he's going to drive through the field where Josh Berry is. I just think he's so consistent. Um, I'm, I, I think Gregson's great for the sport. I just I just don't think he's quite ready yet. For no, yeah, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. And I think we brought it up on when Phil was on for the silly season talk. But uh, there was a quote from from Dell Jr. about if he could start a cup team and had to pick four drivers to fill his cup team. Josh Berry was one of those guys. He had Josh Berry. It was Reddick. It was William Byron. It was Eric Jones was the four guys that he picked. So Eric Jones is a phenomenal driver. He got the raw end of, of a deal, in my opinion. And that was never going to be unless he went. He's won huge races. He's won huge races. Bristol night race, uh, Southern 500. And, and he's done as much in that 43 car as anyone could do, in my mm-hmm. opinion. No, absolutely. So, I agree. I, I I didn't realize that, but that's a great point. I agree with exactly what that I mean. Maybe not Willie Willie B. Um, I think he's good, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, we could we could talk about this all uh, night long. I could ask y'all questions about the up and comers um, till the cows come home. But maybe we can save that for an off season podcast. Let's get back to Loudon because obviously we have uh, a few guys on the board to get to and and some big names here. When you get past twenty five to one, moving past the Reddicks the Harvicks, the Byrons, the Bells of the world. We have Almirola, 25 to 1. A, uh, I believe he won last year at Loudoun, if that's correct. Yeah, La- the defending champion at Loudoun, uh, 25 to 1. Chase Briscoe, uh, 25 to 1. Daniel Suarez at 28. Alex Bowman at 30. Uh, Kurt Busch at 30. And also Cedric at 50. So I'm guessing probably some uh, some negative track history for all these big names. But uh, I'll, I'll throw it to Calicio, Mr. my co-host here, uh, if he wants to make an argument for kind of these fallen stars down here in the 25 to 30 range. Yeah. So from outright perspective, it's, it's hard for me to, to bet any of these guys, but I do have another poll pick here. I actually, I'm going to go chase Briscoe to win poll. Um, now his number is a little shorter than I expected it to be. He's also sitting at 12 to one. I was hoping to get a little better number than that, but at the four tracks that I've referenced for, for Christopher Bell, which is New Hampshire last year. And then obviously Richmond gateway and uh, Phoenix this year, Briscoe has finished, or he qualified 19th last year at New Hampshire, but then 6th, 4th, and 1st at those three tracks, comparable tracks this year. Um, so I think at that 12 to 1 price, to throw a half unit on that, I think that's that's kind of fun. Uh, now, from like I said, from an outright perspective, yeah, I don't I don't know that I really want to go this deep. I mean, obviously, Eric Almirola is the easy call, being that um, you know he won last year. He's you know he's a good racer at, at short flat tracks. I think he's. Uh, see fourth in driver in New Hampshire and fifth in average finish over the last three years. And then at these short flats in um, in particular, he is 14th fastest this year as far as total speed goes. So I don't know. There's not a lot speaking to me here as far as this range. I do think um, this will be the first range I'll probably look at when it comes to top 10 bets, though. I think this will be a this will be a fun one to see what we can pull out of here come come Saturday um, afternoon when we have some practice times to look at. Yeah, so you're you're talking about Almirola, Briscoe, Suarez, Bowman, and Kurt, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so I agree. I 
I am not high on Almirola this weekend. Um, and, and here's my reasoning why. Almirola last year at the two tracks I'm looking at. So I, I went back and did some number crunching. I don't do as much as you guys do, like not even by a long shot. But I went back and I looked at the basically if I was going to handicap the race like last year, here's the information I would look at and try to see if I can draw a conclusion on how Eric Almarola, how they how he won the race. So and I found something kind of intriguing that if you just look at those two tracks, so they hadn't raced the second to the second time at Phoenix and Richmond. So I only looked at those first two because I wanted to look at like, okay, how did how could I arrive at this conclusion that the Almirola was going to be good? Because it wasn't like he stole this race. You know, yeah, he was yeah. the best car at the end. Uh, arguably, Bell was pretty good there at the end. So I did the same thing, and I found something a little interesting. So Eric Almirola had the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He had the ninth best average finish at those two tracks at this point last year. That's not the impressive thing. The impressive thing is his average starting spot was 27th. And so he made his way forward like this. And and I'm so glad I kind of ran across this because I'm like, man, how did I Elmer Is he just that good? Do we just have to like bet him because he's good there? But no, he was actually good. Like he was trending as someone that probably should have been bet before the race. And so that, that to me is, so I did the same thing this year and it, you just don't have the same numbers. And, yeah. and like I said, I'm only using those two tracks. Um, now he has a good average starting position at 7.5 with those two, but his finishes are 16.5. And so he's been done nothing but kind of fade that. And so that's kind of, that's my explanation is at this point last year, he was arguably one of the best at making passes and working through the field at these short flat tracks. Whereas this year he's qualified better and has done nothing but kind of slowly fade or at least hang on to his spot. Now I didn't go back and specifically look at what happened during the races, but um, that's why I'm not high on Almarola uh, as, as most people are. I think I said it last week on, you know, if there's a trendy dog, usually that dog has fleas. So I'm going to stay awake from now. Could he do well? Yeah, he could win the race. And then I look like an idiot, but um, I'm going to, what I, based on what I'm looking at, I don't see it. I think you're spot on with Chase Briscoe and uh, that qualifying bet. Um, it is a little shorter. Anytime you're shifting, uh, it looks like Chase Briscoe has just kind of done that better than everybody else. Um, when it comes to Suarez, he's hit or miss. Um, <laughs> he's he's when I bet on him, he kind of sometimes does well. When I bet against him, he kind of does well. And I just I, it's hard for me to get a read on him. Um, and then. Bowman and Kurt, they're just, they're just kind of high beta guys. Like I, I can't put my finger on Bowman. Like he just kind of been very average, but then it's like, oh, wow, he's running eighth with 20 to go. Huh? Interesting. You know, and the same kind of thing with Kurt, they're not like rocketing up through the field, but they're kind of hanging around. So that's kind of my take on that group of guys for this track. Um, but I'm, I would say if I had to go, I'd go with Briscoe. I think he's got the most upside. Yeah, fair enough. And, and just to be clear, we're not making you uh, make an outright bet in this range. You're just, oh, uh, I know. I know. Oh, I know. I'm just I just want to like if just thinking out loud, I would. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Briscoe seems to be the favorite here, uh, kind of from 25 to 30. We've got plenty of names. Uh, I've already listed down on the short list, but I'll kind of open the mic to either of y'all. 
uh, if there's a name that does catch your eye from 50 on down, you know, it, typically we don't really look at this far down the board when it comes to these type of tracks. But, uh, Worm, I'll throw it to you if you uh, have a prop in mind or if you have a guy that um, you fancy down here to, to maybe pick on in matchups or, or to, to, to tout matchups yeah. uh, with terrible drivers here in this, this low range. But, um, yeah, I'll give there it a There is someone – I'll probably wait and you'll have to listen to to uh, my pod because um, yeah. there is someone kind of in this higher range that I do want to talk about. Um, and I'm sure if if Chris spent some time looking at this, he could probably he probably rattle it off right now. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's opportunity here, um, but not nothing to win. Like I'm not betting any of these guys to win the race. You know, it's a top five or top ten. Uh, you know, <laughs> if, if I were to bet him this someone at this odds i would like the bigger bet is going to be a top five or top ten you know that's the protection that i want to have hey if i was right about him you know running in the top three i want to make sure that i'm protected at that top five and top ten i don't want to let a good bet or a good read kind of mm -hmm. you know not be profitable yeah especially this front of the board you're still going to get plus odds on a, on a top five or top ten and in some cases maybe in, you know depending how far depending on how far down the board you go it could pay um as much or more as the outright winner um, some of the outright guys we've talked about. So, yeah, just to recap, um, the the lean for both of our guys here underneath 10-1, to 1, Martin Truex Jr., Chris, I believe that's his uh, number one pick as an outright bet. Uh, we talked about Ross Chastain at 10-1, to 1, uh, Christopher Bell as a pole sitter at 12-1, to 1, also an 18-1, to 1, potentially on the outright there, Kevin Harvick at 20-1, to 1, uh, Tyler Reddick at 22, Chase Briscoe, both as a sleeper outright at 25 and a pole sitter at 12. Um, special uh, shout-outs are warm for a fade Amarola call. So if you guys see Amarola in some matchups, maybe uh, to pick on him a little bit. So those are just kind of, uh, again, some of the short list, some of the guys that, that stood out to, to both Chris and Worm here. But uh, yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun time talking loud and talking uh, a little bit of silly season and kind of picking y'all's brain about uh, just the sport as a whole. So I'll throw it to Chris to uh, first some closing thoughts. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got other than, I guess if I was to kind of touch on someone in that in that deeper range, I guess the only name that I this will make Ian happy. The only name that I guess would even have any interest in that in that bigger range there is Cindric, just because Penske has shown so much speed at these three tracks. I mentioned Blaine Logano being the only three drivers to be top ten at all three of these in total speed. So Cindric uh, was fifth fastest at Gateway. So um, something to monitor. No, I'm not saying. Off. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, he's a not. Uh, he's a. He's not there on his fall off, in my opinion. Um, that's yet. why he's great at Gateway and struggled um, those other places, in my opinion. Right, right. Well, I mean, to your point, it was 26 passes at Phoenix and 17th at Richmond. So, I mean, like, it, yeah. it checks out. It checks out. But I guess just from a difference of 50 to 1, I mean, for a little sprinkle, yeah. um, I'm not Well, I think he could qualify well, you know, and, and if he qualifies well, that's just it, essentially you're kind of predicting the market. If he can qualify in the top, five he's going to go down to let's just say 18 to 22 to one and you're just yep. essentially reducing the casino's hold you might not think he's going to win the race but it's nice having another dog in the fight when you get a couple of late cautions it's like oh i'm so glad that he's here um just in case the inside line gets going and he can win a race if if it's a short run he can certainly win a race i don't see him winning a long run race right so yeah. i agree with you but yeah that's okay. pretty much all i have i guess uh, one other note that I didn't talk about when we were in that 18 to one range is um, Willie B is a guy that I'm not really on from a, from a data standpoint, nothing really stands out for me. Um, but I think I brought this up a few times this year. The few times that I've kind of missed on Byron are, well, Martinsville being the first one, 
Byron has, he's running super late models this year, and he's got wins at a bunch of short tracks, you know, Hickory, New Smyrna, Hick, um, I said Hickory, what was the other one? Uh, I had it up earlier, but I lost it. Anyways, there's like three okay. or four tracks, short tracks, that he's got wins at in that super late model series. Um, so being that this is kind of like the shorter track, I do think Byron is, is kind of sneaky. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of sneaky. Um, so that one's not data-driven at all. That's just kind of like a gut feel pick. So I don't know. People may not people may not like that, but every once in a while, you got to trust the gut. So Byron's a guy, guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on as we kind of get to the weekend here. But, yeah, other than that, you've kind of laid out everybody that I'm looking at. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for Loudon this weekend. And we're, I'm glad you joined us. This was fun. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, I will say this, that I did not talk about this person, but I have made the largest outright bet um, of the season so far before practice and qualifying on this race. So again, that'll have to be, and it's a person to win the race. Um, you have to tune in to the Bet the Board Stay Green podcast uh, with Todd Furman, and I will be giving that, this pick out. Uh, it should be out Friday morning. But uh, be sure to give Todd a follow and bet the board pod. And then uh, myself, Chris Wormy, C-H-R-S-W-E-R-M-E, um, 15. And yeah, I've, I've been licking my chops at this for a couple weeks now. And it was weird. I was with the 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 back road guys last week and they wanted to go over loud. And I'm like, mm, these odds haven't come out yet. I got to be careful. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tune into that. I think. Um, I think this person has a legit, legit chance at winning with a nice payout. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great segue to the stay green podcast. Yeah. Just, yep. just as a, just another side of that, I, I just want to just, just kind of throw more praise on the, on the worm here, because uh, as someone that, you know, before we started this endeavor really didn't pay attention to the ins and outs of NASCAR, you know, I'd watch a race with Chris every now and again, but um, you know, him and him and Derek and, and Phil, but, you know, especially his his podcast with Todd. If you guys are just now, if you guys are here mainly for the golf and you're trying to get in more into NASCAR, the Bet the Board Stay Green podcast is, I think, about as good as you can do because these guys obviously are so knowledgeable and they do a really good job of um, putting things in layman's terms and, and really, um, you know, catering to a wide variety of audience, whether you are, you know, a diehard NASCAR follower or, or try, just trying to, you know, throw a few bucks on the race um, in the week upcoming. So, um, I, I've talked, I know, p- privately with Chris about how much I've enjoyed his podcast. So I'd like to, you know, just formally tell Ward Thank that you. I, I love one over there and uh, I mean, keep it up because I'm a listener every single week. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been fun. Todd's really good at his job. And um, I mean, he's a great host. And um, yeah, I, I just I think NASCAR's NASCAR's um, he, they're noticing everyone that's everything that's going on. So you guys keep up. Uh, keep keep doing this. And I'm happy to come on uh, in the future, um, you know, uh, maybe in the chase at some point or if something crazy happens, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, like if Kyle Busch doesn't sign and then Reddit gets booted um, and then all of a sudden Toyota has this deal where now Reddit's in the 18 for one year. I don't know what could happen, but um, yeah, if something like that happens and we need to have a, like an emergency pod. I'm, I'm always game. So uh, and if you have questions like right now, I don't have very many followers on Twitter, so I pretty much answer every question about as honestly as I can. So uh, if people have questions. I'm happy to help. Awesome. awesome, man. All right. So, yeah, with that being said, I think we'll, we'll close out this week. Uh, me and Ian are looking to get back on the back in the green as we are. You know, we went cold this past this past weekend. So no outrights in the golf or NASCAR space. So what a weekend to get back on top. 
here at Loudon or you know, across the pond at the open. So if you uh, haven't listened to that podcast, we're going to release these as two separate podcasts. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back to listen to that with Derek. Uh, props to him for joining us again this week. And yeah, let's let's hit some winners. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>